0: Hi, I'm Mark Tallman, and this is Ask KSB, and today we're going to be talking about the issue of school district cash balances. This is an issue which has been perennial for the last, oh, several years in the Kansas legislature and political circles. It revolves around the question of how high are school district cash balances? Uh, are, are they too high? What trend are they going? And and how much is appropriate? We're going to find that none of those are extremely easy answers, and we want in this to show you a little bit more about what the issue is about and what some of the trends have been. Let's just start by reviewing the fact that we're really here talking about is the amount of money school districts have in the bank or on hand on July 1st of every year, which you can really think of as the ending balance for the fiscal year ending on June 30th or the beginning balance for the fiscal year just starting. Either way, it doesn't really matter. Uh, School districts every year do have hundreds of millions of dollars, and the question always becomes why. And as we're going to see as we walk through this, there's probably two big reasons, and they're really the same thing that would happen to families or businesses or any other organization. Part of the reason is to have cash on hand for planned activities that you're saving up for or for unexpected emergencies. Expenses are higher than you thought or revenue is lower than you thought. So in effect, they represent uh, what truly is kind of a reserve. The other reason the districts have them, uh, and, and again, other organizations or businesses, is for cash flow. The idea is very simply, you may not get all your money coming in at the same time your bills go out. And therefore, you have to have money in advance or on hand to pay for an upcoming bill. So the money you see at a particular time doesn't necessarily mean you've got extra money. It may mean that this is money that you are planning to spend, but you're just not yet having to spend it. An example of this might be if you know the rent is due and your next paycheck doesn't come until after that, well, you're going to have to make sure you have money on hand at the beginning of the month to pay that. That's a simplified way of looking at part of why districts have these reserves. Now, this year, as has been ha- tend to happen in the past, school district cash balances have hit an all-time high in dollar amount. But remember, school funding also changes every year. And as we've talked about before, school budgets last year. So we're really talking about the the, the money at the end of a fiscal year also reached an all-time high. And in fact, what we've seen is that school district balances as a percent of total expenditures have actually dropped a little bit this year. There has been a a kind of a long-term upward trend as a percentage. That's mostly in certain types of of reserves that we're going to talk about in a moment. On the other hand, the part of the budget that is really more for general operations has actually been trending down uh, at least a little bit for approximately the last 10 years. If anything could be said, it's probably remaining fairly steady. So while cash balances are higher, school district budgets are also higher. Now, KSB tends to view cash balances, and there are probably, oh, 30 to 40 different types of funds that school districts can keep money in. Again, you might think about it as you have a checking account and a savings account and a retirement account in your personal budget. Well, school districts have many different funds, and in many cases, they're required by law to put money into these different funds. Um, The biggest area is restricted, Um, we call it that because school districts have to put money into these funds that can only be used for specific purposes. The biggest part of balances, in fact, about 53% of all balances this year were in capital outlay, which is money that districts raise from a local mill levy that can only be used for capital purposes, basically buildings and equipment, bond payments, which is money that districts have on hand to make payments in bonds. And and these dollars have gone up because more bond issues have been approved and a few other limited areas where there's a special mill levy that districts can have only for a particular purpose. The second area, which takes into account about 14% of all funds, are other kinds of restricted funds. At least that's how KASB would label it. An example of this might be school district insurance reserves. Another area are federal funds, which are really kind of governed by their own cash flow and balance requirements. A third area are things like gifts and grants for special projects. Uh, An example of this might be uh, an endowment for scholarships. This takes up about 14% percent of all funds. Another 13 percent are in funds that really are different because districts need money at the start of the year to operate in the first part of the school year. Bis- biggest example here are special education, where districts don't start getting special education aid until the fall, summer school programs, which obviously have to be paid for during the summer, uh, and food service, where districts have to basically stock up to begin operations on the first day of School, even though it will take time to receive, to start collecting lunch money and things like that. That means that only about 20% of the cash on hand this year is truly what you might call general operating funds. So, again, critical to think about when we hear big numbers about school district uh, uh, uh fund amounts that there are a lot of different actual areas where school districts keep money for very different purposes. Now, If we look at what actually happened in total increase this year, all cash reserves from July 1 of 2017 to July 1 of 2018 went up about $93 million. That sounds like a lot, but remember, as we've talked about in previous presentations, total school expenditures last year went up over $400 million. Uh, So in effect, cash reserves, as we've shown, actually fell a little bit as a percent even though they went up. More significantly is to note exactly where the increases were over a third of that increase was in capital outlay. As I've explained just a few moments ago, capital outlay are mostly from mill levies that school districts set, which are subject to protest or election by local voters, that has to be used for specific purposes, like building a building, buying a school bus, buying equipment. This may have gone up because districts are trying to save money for these purchases so they don't have to have bond issues. And some of it may have been that in some cases, school districts had larger than expected increases in valuation, so they're local capital outlay mill levy raised more than expected. Districts will have the opportunity to spend this if they wish or save it if they wish. It's a, it's a local decision and again with oversight of local voters. The second largest area of increase was in bond and interest funds and as I've said, bond and interest balances have been rising because school district bond payments have been going up as voters in more districts have been approving these bond issues. Here too the money is really there because you have to levy the taxes and receive your state aid payment to have money on hand when the bond issue comes due. We also saw a small increase of about $6 million in federal funds and about $8.5 million in gifts and grants, as I've indicated before. These are generally not for regular operations of the school district, but they're often given for particular projects, or as I've said, for things like scholarship endowments or programs such as that. And then insurance reserves, where districts have self-insurance programs, went up about $6.6 All other funds, in other words, everything else that school districts uh, have for general operations, was about $9 million, or roughly 10% of the total increase in cash reserves. The point of this is to indicate that while reserves went up in a dollar amount, and down as a percent of operations, most of the increase was in uh, those funds which are not available for general operations. Now let's look at this a little bit differently and see how those general operating funds that I talk about compare to the general operating budget just as we've said school districts have a lot of different funds for particular purposes one might think of school district budgets as being divided between general operations think of that as the school district general fund local option budget and special education and then a lot of other restricted areas these include capital costs federal funds lunch programs etc if we look at how reserves in general operating funds compared to the general operating budget. These reserves were about 10% in 2006. They began rising in 2009, 2010 with the Great Recession and those economic dislocations, school district, cuts in school district state aid, delays in state aid payments, and peaked at about 17% in 2012. They've generally been dropping since then. But another thing to keep in mind when the question comes up of, well, how much is appropriate, is to note that several years ago the Kansas legislature commissioned an efficiency study to look at state operations as well as school district fundings. This raised some questions about how much would be appropriate in school reserves, but they also presented a guideline uh, from work done by the Government Finance Officers Association that suggested, in general, what Percent of money is appropriate to have in reserves based on different levels of risk. It indicated that balances of 10% or less would be appropriate in a low risk environment, uh, 10 to 15% in a low to moderate risk environment, 15 to 25% in a high risk environment, and 25% or more in a very high risk environment. So that kind of borderline between low to moderate risk and moderate to high risk is around 15 percent, school district ending balances in general have been about at that level since about 2013-2014. It is important to note that there's a lot of variation among individual school districts. Some are higher than this, some are considerably lower than this. Once again, that's a local choice, but the net effect of those decisions is to leave operating fund balances really in an area that people have said, experts have said, is appropriate in kind of a moderate risk environment. Now, obviously, there are different opinions as to how risky our environment is, but I think many people would say that as Kansas has gone through a situation of deep tax cuts, budget cuts, credit downgrades, repeated reductions in uh, state tax revenues below expectations for a number of years, many districts have felt the environment was pretty risky as we've stabilized the those percentages have come down. We could also compare this to what the state of Kansas does for its own general fund, and a way of thinking about this is to consider two things. One is the state general fund ending balance, and one is what the state has to do to borrow from other funds for cash flow purposes or contingency purposes. But if you put those together, we see that the uh, the state general fund ending balance and certificates over the same period of time. That school districts on average have been around 15% has also been right around 15% for the state as well. So, while these are not completely comparable, they do represent the ending balance of the general fund plus borrowing from other funds that the state has compared to the total of all school district operating funds, not just the USD general fund. So, if this level is appropriate for the state, it's a question as to why it would be significantly inappropriate for local school districts. Finally, it's also important to note that the July 1 ending balance is just one snapshot during the year. Uh, In fact, as I've indicated, because of cash flow purposes, uh, these balances in different funds can vary quite a bit. In fact, about two years ago, the legislature began a requirement that school districts have to report most, but not all, fund balances monthly. And in effect, if you graph this, you can see that there is a considerable variation. These peaks in school district balances in operating funds. And again, what we're kind of looking at here are just those operating funds go up pretty high at certain levels when districts are receiving either state aid or local tax payments and then drop to low points in other levels. That's why only looking at a certain date during the year doesn't really tell you what the cash flow needs are of these school districts uh, over the course of the year. We know, for example, by looking at district individual districts uh, that there are often high balances, for example, in the supplemental general fund, uh, the local option fund uh, fund when districts receive payments, but those drop down almost to zero at other points during the year. Uh, This information is actually available and posted monthly by the Legislative Research Department, and KASB tracks that as well. So hopefully this has provided you an overview of the issue and some of the trends and some context for the issue of school district general funds. We've posted this information in detail in the Tallman Education Report a blog that we do. Um, we also have been covering this in our news brief and social media. We hope you'll follow us there on other topics. And if you have other questions about school issues, send them to me. My email is mtallman at kasb.org. You can also follow and send questions through Twitter and Facebook. Thank you very much, and we look forward to talking with you in the future.